All right, welcome to a special edition of That's a Wrap. We are doing mini episodes for each of the Oscar-nominated Best Picture films for 2016. And today it's Mad Max Fury Road. So, uh, And we have all three of us today. I'm Eric Marshall. I'm Nick Schlegel. I'm Chris Gullen. And here we are. Uh, so, uh, Nick, give us some info about this movie. Mad Max Fury Road. This is probably the oldest. I can't be sure, but probably the oldest release. It came out May of 15. Uh, it is uh, currently at IMDb, which we've I've mentioned before and will again is a, is a harsh taskmaster when it comes to ratings. Is at an 8.2, which is very high on, on uh, IMDb. And at Rotten Tomatoes... The tomato meter is an incredibly fresh 97% with an audience score of 86%. So there's some disparity there between the two, which is sometimes unusual. Um, the critic consensus is, says, uh, with exhilarating action and a surprising amount of narrative heft, Mad Max Fury Road brings George Miller's post-apocalyptic franchise roaring vigorously back to life. So there you have heft. it, fellas. I like that word, heft. Heft. So pretty much universal critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. yeah it's, it's hard to find reviews that, um, you know, pan it. Uh, some people may not be thrilled with it, but I, I, people are really going against the grain if they if they found it, uh, um, you know, a, a uh, unappetizing, unappealing, unentertaining two, exact two hours. So, uh I haven't I haven't found many criticisms of it. Just the opposite. In fact, I've been really thrilled at how much it's been embraced. Yeah, me too. And I think um as far as I, I I think I speak for Chris as well, but I think um I saw it in December, and I know Chris, you saw it more recently as well, right? I did. I did. Yeah, so so we saw it um after all the hoopla, you know, because it came out in, in May and so I came in with knowing that everybody liked it already, you know, which kind of um, maybe shaded my my uh, view a little bit. But I uh, I they re-released it in the theaters. And so we went out and saw it um, in the theater in December. Um, maybe it was January. It doesn't matter. It was it was about a month ago. And uh, it was pretty amazing in the theater. I'm really glad I did see it in the theater because um, it's just so big (laughs) you know what i mean and it just it starts off with action and it just kind of keeps going it's it's uh it's quite a it's it's it's, you know it's what we call a ride film right it's it's you know from beginning to end it's 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 a ride there's something going on with a few lulls and a little bit of you know not not necessarily at the expense of narrative or character either so it's the the theater experience was i went and saw this with um uh, Don May and Tom Savini, the uh, sort of the legendary um, horror effects makeup artist uh, and um, uh, actor and director, uh, Tom Savini. And uh, we had a blast. We went opening night here in Michigan uh, back in May when um, when Tom was in town for the comic book convention. And uh, Don had already seen a rough cut with George Miller in Los Angeles uh, where um, – the effects had not been fully rendered yet. And uh, he said, surprisingly, however, there was just so, so little that was not there. That's, that's one of the amazing things about 
Fury Road is that there's so many practical effects in this. It's coming from a director who's in his early 70s, you know, who's someone who's very much trained in the photochemical and analog era that you're really kind of blown away by the the practicality and the stunt, the, you know, the um, stunts and the acrobatics of the actors and the pyrotechnics and the cars themselves are all full characters in this. And we had a blast. Oh, excuse me. Mike Felsher was with us too. So it was Mike, Don and Tom. And then I saw it a second time later um, in Don's basement months later, we just wanted to watch it because of his ridiculous sound system and theater at home. So, uh, so yeah, Eric, I'm with you. The, the theater experience was great. Not to mention seeing it with Tom Savini was, 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 was like a lot of fun too. Yeah, I, I thoroughly agree. It didn't, didn't feel at all like two hours. It was, um, it was just, it felt like 10 minutes. Um, cause you just, it flew by. It was, it was beginning to end. And, and I, the, calling it narrative heft, um, I think is, is a real understatement because there's, there's a lot going on narrative wise and there's a lot going on from a theoretical standpoint, um, from a film criticism standpoint that they were able to get into this film, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but I, I absolutely adored it. I, 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 I loved it. I loved the score. The, the, yeah. the music was wonderful. Um, everything about the film was, uh, was great. And the, the fact that they use so little on the CGI and, you know, it just speaks to this. It's so nice to see old fashioned filmmaking, old fashioned action stunts mm-hmm. with real stunt people and real stunt vehicles. Mm-hmm. And which is amazing too, when you think about how, how many stunts there were, how many explosions, how many things had to go right mm-hmm. uh, that they, you know, I don't know how many, how many takes they, they, they had on, on some of these things. Um, but you know, they, they, it, it all had to go right. So you can go ahead and talk about that uh, film criticism stuff now, if you want. It was, um, you know, it, especially in, in some of my classes, I, you know, we talk about how, just there, there, this lack of strong female characters, and it was it was really uh, a very strong feminist film from a uh, from that standpoint. You had strong female characters that were not overtly sexualized, um, that kicked ass, that ended up winning, um, that weren't there for gratification, that weren't there for to be looked at, that weren't you know that they they were fully fleshed out, powerful characters. Um, and I thought that was a very strong part of this film, uh, be, especially being that, you know, it's of an action, you know, in the action, action genre, um, you know, not, not necessarily a genre that's known for being, uh, pro, pro feminist or, or strongly sensitive to, to gender dynamics. Um, so I thought that was, that was a really, really important aspect of the film. I agree. Uh, the Charlize Theron character herself, is a much more active protagonist really than the Tom Hardy, than Max himself, Max Rakotansky. And she's, um, you know, she's perfect in the part too. I mean, she, she, she really delivers and, and, and accepts that mantle without even thinking twice about it. And there, thereby we do too. There's an absolutely no question. It's a, it, I wish this could become sort of the de facto mold for filmmaking where, Genders are seen as equals in, this, in these types of films, and certainly Red, Ridley Scott and James Cameron have gone have done a lot for the genre uh, by writing uh, strong female protagonists in that in that mold. Uh, and so it was really refreshing to see George Miller do this as well. Uh, it's it's Max's story, but it's it's 
it's it's not at the same time. He's sort of like the protagonist for the ride namesake for the of the film. But he's really literally Chris. Yeah, he's along for the ride, you know, and sort of uh, that's a great way to put it. Um, And I got to tell you, you know, when I saw it, I hadn't heard a thing about it. It was opening weekend. And not only was I taken by that too, the the gender dynamics, but um, in terms of just three act structure, narrative structure, it was it was really you know bending, if not breaking, a lot of traditional screenwriting rules. Um, there was not really clearly identifiable markers in the script for hooks, inciting incidents, plot points, you know, midpoints. I mean, they're there; you have to hunt for them. But it just, I had not been to a film an aesthetic experience where I sat down and then my heart just kicked, you know, like, like, like one of those engines just fired up. And then I didn't even have a chance to breathe for 30 straight minutes. You know, I mean, they, they get it. it, Max is taken captive. He's thrown down into the pits there. They get out of there, they go out in the middle of the desert. And then, you know, it's not 30 minutes before they even stop. You know, it's like, I was like, this is insane. This is, uh, this is this is fracturing a lot of the traditional rules here, but it felt I didn't really know what I was seeing for a little while. You have to remember this was last May, almost a year ago, and it was just like uh, a lot of times passed, so we can all sort of we've absorbed Fury Road since then. But that that opening weekend was like it was kind of like the same week time when like Sin City came out, and you went and saw something that was really unique and, and different, although that had a very familiar narrative. Whereas this one was really <laughs> have you ever seen a film quite like Fury Road? You know, the answer to I think the answer is no. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the, what you're talking about the narrative structure is kind of interesting because when it comes to a lot of um, uh, action films, you tend to get desensitized pretty quickly to the action a lot of times. And uh, you, you know that you guys know that I have a pretty low tolerance for that stuff. I usually get pretty bored pretty quickly um, or confused. And this didn't really do that. Um, and like you said, for the first 30 minutes, you're like, you're trying to struggle to figure out what exactly you're seeing. And I think that what adds to that is the, uh, the costume and makeup. Cause you have some really strange looking characters, you know, it's so bizarre and unsettling and kind of grotesque. You know, a lot of the people are a lot of the creature, whatever they are, you know? And I think that helps because you've got this kind of visual, yeah. um, you know, kind of it's a visual extravaganza in a way. It's always something to look at or, or respond to, you know, because there was a point during the film where I was I started to get a little fatigued, um, you know, where I'm like, OK, gosh, I mean, we're driving for an hour or whatever it might have been. But that quickly passed because there was a nice scene where they stop um, during in that little passageway where they're trying to get the, those people to to uh, explode the rocks. Um, and then they do a good job mm-hmm. of changing the scenery as well. So you get that dark cloud thing, like that storm they go into and yeah. And every like kind of place they go, you have different adversaries. Like when the people in the pole show up, that's different. So there's, it introduces novelty, yeah. you know, at, at strategic points so that you don't get fatigued or just kind of like, Oh, what am I watching? Right. Which, which again, I tend to do. And I didn't really do that too much. There were a couple of points where I was like, uh, you know, kind of what's, when's, what's, when's this going to end, you know, but that was, there, there were very few and far between. Um, and, and, you know, I think it, it really worked um, for, just on the visual level, which I think is also a testament to the practical effects. Like you're talking about it. Let's the, 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 the fact that they're, in camera or practical effects 
lets the camera do different things than you might see with with high with a lot of special effects. I think that really really does something for the film. I, I was uh, I was pretty much um, enchanted with the very first trailer, which which came out quite a few months beforehand. And then in a history of film course at at uh, Wayne State, um, for years when we would when I would teach that we would do a unit at the end of the towards the end of the semester uh, on uh, Australian cinema, and and I used to screen uh, Mad Max because it was really the the film that put them uh, with, along with a couple couple of others, Gallipoli, for example. But it was really the the really commercial box office hit that. Uh, put Australia on the map cinematically along with a couple other films, uh, and, and made a, a cult icon out of, out of Max. Uh, and students loved, um, Mad Max. If I have any other former history of film students, you know, what, uh, listening. Yeah. I, uh, it's, uh, it's such a lean, mean 90 minutes, you know, and it's a great conflation of Westerns and it's a great character. So to, to revamp it for the 21st century, the 2010s, um, and yet still re- re- retain that sort of like thread that reaches back to the first three films um, is, is really remarkable guys. You know, how often do you see a reboot of something and it's not, and it wasn't even exactly a reboot you know, they sold it as it's just another adventure for Max with a different actor. And I thought it, it was just really, really blew me away. Yeah. That ability to reach into the past and yet feel so current, contemporary um without feeling i guess overly revisionist i don't know if that's like a good way of saying it um was very nice yeah i agree and i think that a lot of people um who are not familiar with the original mad max movies i think maybe felt that they needed to know those movies to understand this one but that's not true at all you can watch this movie without knowing anything about the originals because it's it's a, it's a self-contained thing so so if anybody hasn't seen it because they're worried about that you, sh- you can go ahead and see it i'm sure at this point you have anyway but right. um right you know you can you can like you said it's a good testament to the older films but but it doesn't um rely on them or an understanding of them which is which is good i think a lot of people might have been surprised that uh that it was so good and that it was received so well i have come across a lot of you know genre backlash as we always do a lot of people watching it a lot of social media feedback about how yeah it was fun it was cool but really uh, uh, an academy award nomination and um i think to myself gosh these these people are not only sort of letting their taste biases, uh, you know, influence them. They're just kind of reinforcing what the Academy has taught us decade after decade after decade, which is only epics and biopics and dramas and historical fiction can be nominated for best pictures, which is rubbish. Um, you know, any film, obviously in any genre, it's just that the Academy has traditionally marginalized certain genres like comedy or action adventure, horror, sci-fi fantasy you know there's a couple of exceptions but by and large in the major categories they're always kind of you know shat upon and and so mad max i think deserved every single bit of a of a, um uh, critical favor that it got and uh, i'm i'm thrilled that it's it's in there hopefully they can can collapse some of this uh, these biases towards towards particular genres. It's, uh, you know, um, and, and by, and by the same token, I'm also thrilled that like I was watching a repeat of Saturday night live last night. They were talking about, it was from like right after the Oscars were announced and 
the the on the um uh the weekend update thing. Why I watch SNL anymore, I don't know. I just don't really like the cast very much. Yeah, but yeah. um they were they were talking the one dude was saying like um uh, you know, these films are fine, but nobody's heard of them. Why don't you guys nominate films that people have gone and seen and make a whole lot of money? And I thought, well, is that really a valid criterion too? You know, like that seems to be the uh, antithetical to the art <laughs> and our, our other arguments made about the selection process, because it's like, if you just base it purely on box office, um, then it, it seems like you're just making some sort of populist decree so that like you know the hangover will win <laughs> or or whatever you know or the transformers will win right so and then the oscar like, yeah it seems ceases to have any type of weight or value well it, it's based on the commercial aspects of it and and so that's i thought that was a really dumb remark too i mean it wasn't right. the weekend update so i'm not sure they were expecting it. but i thought he said really like i'm like that's how you want to do it by box office i you know like um, and so it's a weird mix between stuffiness and commercialism. So I think Mad Max is great because it's commercial, but it was incredible at the same time. I mean, the award, the, 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 the movies that get big box, box office get their own awards. A lot of, a lot of yeah. money, <laughs> right? Like, right? Right. They're, they're, are, they're fine. They're doing all right. They don't need any help. Right. I, I agree. I, I think to, to poo poo. The idea that Mad Max was nominated because it wasn't the King's speech and it right, was an exactly. action film. That's just plain snobbery. Yep. You know, and, and, and come on, shut up. Yeah, it, it was, it was a good film. There was a lot behind it. It was, uh, it had strong female characters. It was, you know, it, it was, it was, what's wrong with calling it a, calling it best picture? That, that's, 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 that's a good, rubbish, like you said. Yeah, no, I yeah, and, and so that's that's been my response. If I bother to respond at all to some of the comments about like about about that, um, so yeah, there's there's certain prejudices that you can see towards genres writ large in the history of the Academy Awards, and you know that's I'd like to see some of that disappear over time, and it, I mean it has. Although even when it does, they like to dress it up like Silence of the Lambs, clearly a horror film. Um, uh, granted, with with sort of hybrid traits as well, but they they called it a, a psychological thriller, you know. And I'm like, yeah, right, you know, like the dudes, you know, let's come on, let's call this what it is: a man going around killing, shrinking women, and then wearing their skin. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a horror. It's horror. It's a serial serial killers. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a composite of multiple serial killers. Uh, or clearly the the Lord of the Rings um, Return of the King. This is, you know, this is fantasy and it's in all its wonderful epic might and it won Best Picture, you know, so you can't, the semantics don't really matter. We all know what a film is. Yeah, definitely, so. definitely true. I think that, uh, you know, another reason that this probably got nominated over, um, you know, other action adventure sorts of things is, is um you know, it's resonant with today's values in a certain way. And it's, it's resonant with, it's probably a certain segment of the Academy as well, you know, going back to the female protagonist. So what Chris was saying earlier was, you know, about the fact that it's a strong female character and all and things that you don't see quite as often these days. I think the Academy wants to maybe reward that a little bit as well on top of the, the, the effects and the, you know, the strangeness of it. And it's, you know, it's a good, it's a good call for a nomination. I mean, there are always things that don't get nominated too, that you're like, why didn't that get nominated? But we'll talk about that when we talk about the Oscars in general, um, just right. before they air. So, 
Anything else about Mad Max you guys want to throw in there? I think I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm 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 pretty good too. So thanks for listening to our special edition of Mad Max. Uh, you can hear our commentary on the other seven movies it on the uh, f- on the feed and iTunes. You'll you'll see them all sitting there, and then we'll also have a, a general episode about the Oscars in general with our predictions and our reflections and stuff like that about them all as a whole. So feel free to go to iTunes and check those out. And while you're there, click the little review thing and give us some stars. That would be really great because that helps us get discovered in the, uh, in the iTunes store. And uh, you can also check us on, check us out on Facebook and that's a wrap show.com for that's a wrap. I'm Eric Marshall. I'm Nick Schlegel. I'm Chris Cullen. And we will see you next time.